morning. We do appreciate you being here in Sunday school. We're excited about the services today. And God will take care of Miller. And Miller, Donnie went home to be with the Lord over a year ago. And Joanne, and of course, has been having some difficulties even before that, physically. And then early Friday morning, she did go home to the Lord and say, So, can you begin to imagine? Imagine just being in the presence of Jesus. As wonderful as this is, I'm not even sure we can say this is even a taste of what heaven is. Yeah. 
two, two of the hands, right here, two good handsome young men right here. Uh, if you know Carol, you've got know about 30 of these. If you know Carol or Jerry, you like one of these, raise your hand real quick. And Thank you. 
if their hearts cleaned it up, turned them around 180 degrees, so that they are followers of Jesus Christ now. Not only followers, but they receive his call to become full-time missionaries. Maybe missionaries to their own people so that they continue to the gospel. The fellow rebels, the fellow And they would see that uh, these friends of theirs would see the change in their lives. And they would listen to their message. Praise God. And of course, I would just like to uh, uh, caution everyone to avoid taking photos of it. Because some of them, of course, uh, are targets of the enemies of the gospel. So if you could kindly just uh, refrain from that because uh, their lives may be major. Happens in Dow Baptist? You notice uh, this gentleman on the left side has a cap, a white cap, showing how he had made his pilgrimage to Mecca. It's just a sign that he's a Hodge. But besides the Hodge, he's also a child of God by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's wearing not only this. We're sharing the gospel to his fellow Muslims, but also to his fellow Hodge pilgrims that have gone to Mecca as well. And we thank the Lord for Pastor Buddy and Pastor Boyd, both under the umbrella. And uh, they're the ones leading this group. Very courageous, very, very bold and brave. No, no thought of their, uh, of their own welfare or their own safety. Just get, just get the gospel out. Up there, 2,000 feet above sea level, in the mountains of Jerusalem, continuing the work of God, and along with the 9,420 so missionaries, those are the ones that we come alongside, encourage, equip, and advocate for, like what I'm doing right now with the Melody. Now, yes, there are 83 countries represented by 263 local ministries. That's what we do at the Native Ministry. We connect churches and Christians, families, and individuals to the final frontiers of witness to that. But at the same time, we encourage churches to realize that you yourselves, you are native missionaries to all of Shenandoah Valley, that all of Virginia, and all of the United States, and to the uttermost of the earth. And we thank the Lord for his gift. To Valley Baptist, which is your own pastor, Pastor Paul, and I believe Pastor Kim is coming too. And that's another gift that the Lord has given to you, so that you would be edified and that you would also uh, learn to know what it means to be a witness for Jesus Christ in your own locality. So, we have here this group of missionaries that we serve. And uh, this is our vision statement. It's in Matthew 24, 14. Let's all read this together. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. And, you know, I'd like us to focus on this word, nations. This does not refer to members of the United Nations. This word does not refer to geopolitical countries. Rather, this word refers to people groups, 
groups of people that speak the same language, that practice the same customs, traditions, and culture. And so, God, Jesus said, the, the gospel will be preached to all these nations, the testimony to all these nations. Oh, and how, many, how many nations are there, really? How many people groups are there? We are 7 billion all in all, but although, I mean, of, I mean, how many, how many people groups are there that compose the 7 billion of us? And so we look at the total population, 7 billion, all belong to 17,000. Just, you know, just two years ago, it was 16,000. Now, this is just 17,000 people. And so, maybe language speakers, of course, one group like that, of course, across the pond, there's another English speaking group, but they don't speak English, do they? <laughs> well, they have the same opinion about us. You know? <laughs> but anyway, so we have the word nations here from the original word ethne, where we get the words ethnic, ethnicity. That's the word nations in your New Testament. And so, somebody made a pie chart that out of the 17,000 people groups that are in existence today, 10,000 of them have been reached with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. But there's another 7,000 that haven't been reached. Approximately 7,000 unreached people groups, the vast majority in limited access regions of the world, accessible primarily to local, native, or indigenous workers. Those 7,000 have either, uh, you know, this is a description of what an unreached people group is. So less than 10 or 2% are evangelical, meaning those that believe in the non negotiable faith that was once delivered unto the saints. How Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, and how he lived a sinless life, and then offered a perfect sacrifice on the cross, and by his shed blood, and made forgiveness of sins available to everyone. But he rose again, and is alive today, and whosoever shall call on his name shall be saved. Is ready to save anyone? Right? That's the uh, pure gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And only less than 2% of that people group population have that faith. And the rest, of course, they, they don't have that. But the, more importantly, no indigenous church planting movement capable of evangelizing its own people are in existence at all in that community. So this is what a unreached people group are. There are 7,000 of them. And so, uh, I want to use the Titanic tragedy as an analogy to the situation today in global missions. Not only that, but also here in the United States. Okay? This is an issue of need. Or is it an issue of access? We'll get to that later, okay? But let's go back to the Titanic on April 15, 1912. You were alive by then. <laughs> <laughs> so, April 15, 1912, the fateful day when this so called unsinkable ship sank to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. 
full board of the Atlantic Ocean. And one thing's for sure, every passenger and every member of the crew needed rescue. They needed rescue. Now, not every passenger had access to the lifeboats. You see, they only brought 20 lifeboats instead of the full 32. They, 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 they rationalize, after all, it's unsinkable. So, what happened was, that tragedy struck, and of the 2,200 passengers and crew, only 1,500, mostly third passengers, third class passengers, drowned to their deaths and sank along with the ship into the cold waters of the Atlantic Ocean. Why is this so? Because only first and second class passengers were given access to the lifeboats. Third class passengers were left on their own. Even the first lifeboat was launched half empty on that fateful day in 1915. Such injustice not do anything anymore for those 1,500 victims around the place, but we can still do something about the 7,000 You see, the issue is not me, because all of us, the 7 billion of us, and the 17,000 people here, need the gospel of the Lord. Thank the Lord that we heard the gospel, so faith came by hearing, and hearing the word of God. God created faith in our heart to receive Jesus as our Savior. But how would they believe in whom they have not heard? And how would they believe if someone doesn't preach it? And how would someone preach it except they be sent? As the scriptures say in Isaiah, how beautiful upon them are the feet of those who bring the so, the issue is more. I'm not saying it is not really the need. There's a bigger, bigger issue. Of course, everywhere there's a need. Like here, in the valley. Here, in storage trap. We have friends, neighbors, workmates, classmates, or relatives that don't have needs. We all have needs. And they need the gospel as well. Now, the greater issue, though, is access. Access to the gospel lifeboats. The third class passengers were not given access to them. But we could help one another. Help one another send these gospel lifeboats wherever there is no access. Of course, here, we have more access. We even have Bibles. Every kind of Bible. We have children's Bibles, students' Bibles, soldiers' Bibles, Gideon's Bibles in hospitals, schools, wherever else. Huh? But they're anywhere. We have hardbound, paperback, pocket Bibles, electronic Bibles, Bibles in your smartphones. Of course, I have the original. Yeah, I have a, it's closer to the original, but I have a tablet. <laughs> <laughs> and 
But then we decided to leave. Then walk back to friends, churches. One time I was, uh, one, yeah, I was finding, I was helping, I was helping find a church there in North Carolina to see the Baptists there. I thought they, they could plant a thousand churches. But that time, that was a great challenge. I wanted one of, at least one of those 1,000 churches. And when I shared this to a, a member of the Filipino community there in Fayetteville, uh, what? Another church? <laughs> it seems like every block there was a church there in Fayetteville, and they don't understand really the need that is everywhere. And thank the Lord for your united witness for Jesus Christ here at Valley Baptist Church. That you are shining the light of the gospel from here to your homes, to your neighborhoods. Because church, remember, you're not just church on Sunday. You're church all the days of the week. Because this is the time when we huddle. And then we go out into the field to fight, to really score for Jesus Christ. We don't, we don't, uh, we're not in the field when we're huddled, huddled. <laughs> so thank the Lord for the coach that uh, God has given you, Pastor Paul. And we better pay attention to the instructions. And uh, find a great strategy so that others may be brought into the kingdom, just like we already in the kingdom. But that's the problem now. The 7,000 have little or no access at all to the gospel life folks. And my plea, my wife and I, we plead, everyone, please, those people, those 1,500 people that already drowned, but there are 7,000 people groups that are still drowning in their sea of despair, sea of hopelessness, sea of darkness, sea of sinfulness, sea of, of false worship of other gods. Are we going to just stand and let them drown? Please, we can still do something. All of us. It takes the whole body of Christ to reach the rest of the world. But this body, of course, needs to be able to reach this community, your immediate community. And so, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? It's already recorded in Scripture what we're supposed to do. What it is, how obedient are we? But please don't put them down. You know, I have a video. And it's called Tears of the Saints. And it's a cross-section of the 7,000 unreached people who are still not having access to the gospel. And I would like you to pay attention to attention to the looks on the faces of these people. Also the current ages right now. Pay attention also to the statistics that are flashed on the screen. So if you turn the light up again, here is the video. job is not done in the world that Christ gave us to do and the mandate is still binding on us today. That's why we speak of unreached people groups. But the missions is the back-breaking, culture-penetrating, darkness-shattering initial work to penetrate, plant the church, see it flourish, get its own elders, train its own people, evangelize its own networks. 
a task and mission. It's not over. And that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. That the alternative is hell. And millions and millions and millions of people are on their way there. And we have the only means of escape in our hands and in our hearts. Jesus Christ. Oh, 
thousand years, thousands and thousands of missionaries, the unnamed, no biographies written about, just unnamed people whom the world is not worthy, have counted this cost and put their lives at risk and reached the loss. Only message of salvation. We still, we still have to reach out to where there's a need for salvation. Right here, right here, right where you are. You are the light of the world. Lights. You shine your light where there's darkness. You share Jesus. Show a little bit of love.
We are not a missionary center. Missionary center. We are an advocacy center. We speak on behalf of these awesome, fruitful, and faithful and strategic missionaries, courageous, going into places where not even the Red Cross can go, or the Peace Corps. And even there is no road, there are no roads, no electricity, no internet. A lot of people think they couldn't survive without the But these are the people that we come alongside and speak on their behalf because they don't have opportunities to come. And a lot of them don't speak a word of English. So we become their voice here in North America. Let us all know that the body of Christ extends all the way to the uttermost part of the So, we have stories, especially from close countries like Laos. We'll call our missionary partner David. We got to visit him over there. And we, of course, we do our due diligence, we do our vetting. We make sure that they have an accountability system where they have a board that they can answer to so that uh, they realize that this is God's work. Then we are just like this instrument. So we encourage them, we equip them, we advocate for them. That's what the dedicated is that serve. That's why those local ministries all over in 83 countries 263 ministries all in all. And we're continuing to search for for these brave souls, these great and courageous They don't even have to go to language school to speak the language. They're applying the gospel in their own culture. But then there is no competition with traditional missionaries. Even here. There's a need everywhere, remember? So that's what we do. We are there. So if you Sense God speaking to you, and you would like to respond. Well, we have ways of responding over there. The mission's display table that we have in the foyer. There are two ways here. Uh, you would like to get updates, regular updates, on what God is doing in the, on the, on the, on those hinterlands. Okay? Then fill this out and just give it back to us. This is a stay in touch card. And here's Another more serious thing. Uh, okay? We don't, of course, rob Peter to pay Paul. But we also do what needs to be done, and that is to be part of the global initiative of local and native missionaries. If God is speaking to you about giving a gift, and if not, and not just a one time gift, but a monthly gift, really, that would help a lot. Let me tell you two stories just in close, okay? This uh, missionary that we visited in Laos, he speaks very fluent English. We invited him one time two years ago. You were at that spring bank test. They spoke. You see, when our, our brother Bo picked him up at Dulles Airport, it was already dark, so he hadn't eaten a bite the whole day, so they uh, dropped by kind of a big place. And as Bo was pay, uh, had paid for the meal, and got to receive David, got a glimpse of the receipt, and he teared up. And Bob was concerned, and he offended David. So David said, no, he didn't offend me. He said, it took $30 to 
to feed a missionary family of four for a whole month. Think about it. Three hundred sixty dollars a day. You could actually get behind these brave souls that have no thought of their own safety or comfort, just because they got.
God is in singing, will set our hearts and minds for God's word that He has given to me to preach. Let's all imagine about heaven.
Sunday school, or for those that missed it, uh, we talked about many missionaries. Many missionaries. Missionaries to their own their own culture. Preaching the gospel to them in their own language. And they just have no concern about their own welfare or their own safety. And yet, they go on. They're so focused. Only one thing. What is that? Winning the lost. And you might ask the question, why are they so focused on winning the lost? That's the question. And why are they? But then, let me give you the answer to this. They are so focused on winning the lost because Set their hearts for heaven. And we are enjoying the scripture to set our hearts for heaven. You see, these missionaries, they've already figured out that their, their joy that is set before them, no matter how difficult it's going to be, that they would accomplish the purposes that God has given them, and that is to reach the remaining unreached people groups in the world. When we, like them, like they, set our hearts toward heaven, four things happen in our lives. Four things, and I want you to remember these things. And you know, there are actually many more things, but I'd like us to focus on four things that will happen when we, as believers, set our hearts toward heaven. For those of you who may have difficulty understanding what this means, it's simply realizing that we are just passing through this world. This is not our permanent home, but our citizenship is up there in heaven. Amen? And so, with just this limited time that we have here on earth, because we never know when our life here on earth ends, when we're going to make our end. Earth, 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 you know, like Brexit, <laughs> Earth, Earth, <laughs> we never know when it's going to be, but if we are going to realize that because that's so we must, we must set our hearts toward heaven, focus on that. And what are these four things that are going to happen to us? When we focus, when we set our hearts toward heaven, and we like they set our hearts toward heaven, then we refocus on the godly worship, we we act more godly to adversity or suffering, we relate more graciously to others, and we rekindle our passion for the lost. First, when we focus and when we set our hearts toward heaven, then we refocus on the God we worship. Let's look at scripture for this. It's in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. And this is the first verse. And I invite everyone to join me in reading this together. We have it for your convenience projected on the screen. And it says here together, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four sons of the fell down 
chapter 4, all of the 11 verses there, and Revelation chapter 5, all of the 14 verses there, total of 25 verses in those two chapters. And this is really a glimpse of heaven. At the beginning of chapter 4, verse 1, John, John's vision, he hears a voice from heaven, a door from heaven opens, and he, and he hears a voice and says, Come up here! And immediately in the spirit, John is taken up there. There in the scene, the, the heavenly scene. And what does he see right there in the midst of that scene is a very bright, light, strong. And the one who sits up there is dwelling in such unapproachable light. And there's peals and rumblings of thunder and flashes of lightning. And there's this crystal sea. There before the throne and seven torches, which are the seven spirits of God. There, and there's the 24 elders on, 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 sitting on 24 thrones. And four living creatures, full of eyes from head to foot, hovering before the throne. And they say without ceasing, day and night, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And every time those words are declared, the four and twenty elders fall down at their face, on their faces, and cast their crowns upon the feet of him who sits on the throne. And then in chapter 5, we have the Lamb who stood there by the throne as if it was slain, none other than the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was the only one found worthy to open the seal of the scroll because this man took that scroll from the hand of him who sits upon the throne and he started opening it. And we have all this myriads and myriads, ten thousand times, ten thousand angels worshiping and declaring, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. Of those 25 verses, it's very interesting that we are mentioned just once. Right here. Verse 8. What is our participation here? It says here that we are in violence, full of odors, or incense. This is King James Version. <laughs> incense. Which are, that symbolizes what? Our prayers. The prayers of the king. You see that the incense goes, and all, uh, goes up in the, the uh, tabernacle, from the tabernacle of God. For the prayers of the king. Think about it. All those 25 verses describing the heavenly scene, the vision that was given to John, the beloved. And the only participation we have is here. <coughs> that should humble us. That should humble us because that actually, actually gives us pause to refocus on the God we worship. You see, we pray in, in the prayer that the Lord taught us, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And here's an awesome part. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I wonder how our worship here on earth measures up.
to the daily worship of God happening there in heaven. And every time these fallen creatures declares, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. I wonder how our worship measures up to that. Too many times our focus <coughs> is on ourselves. Our focus is on, oh, what do we Will I be liking the, the preaching this morning or the song selections this morning? After the service, some might even be bold enough to, enough to answer questions that are asked to them. How, how did you like the worship? And they would say, I really didn't like that last song. Or the preacher preached too long. <laughs> too short. Life, it's all about this. Well, I've got news for those people. It's never about you or me. It's about God and the Spirit that He has put in our, our ourselves. We are the holy temples of the Holy Spirit. And we actually commune with this God who is Spirit, must worship in Spirit and truth, Jesus said. How are we focusing on Him? Are we focusing on something else? You see, the Philippines, we praise God for all of these missionaries that have come from different countries, especially from the West. And they have taught us that when you worship God, you have to have a piano <laughs> and an organist. But we have lost our focus, we have dropped the ball. Because it's never about any of these things. Francis Chan, in one of the videos that actually preached on this, he actually illustrated with his daughter. How old are you, young lady? Nine. Well, he had a ten-year-old daughter, Abigail, at that time. And he asked Abigail, you know, Abigail, your birthday is going to come very soon, so I thought of baking a huge birthday cake for you, and you can have your friends come and bring your birthday presents. So how many think, how many of your friends do you think would come? And he'll answer, maybe two. And then Francis Chan said, Well, let's say we'll bring in a magic show, the magician, you know, and the rabbit out all had. And also we have this clown with all of his tricks and his balloons and all of his bouncy costume and the trampoline like that. Okay, and then lots of hot dogs and hamburgers and, and all that great food. Fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a great, great uh, live band, country music band, playing. Of course, I can just imagine it. Francis is over there on, on the left coast. Okay. <laughs> so, he, 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 Abigail, uh, he asked Abigail, how many things will come? Abigail said, Probably the whole school. <laughs> <laughs> and then he continues on. Well, Abigail, let's say we had all of these people come because of the, all of these things that we uh, set up for them. And I, I stand you next to me, putting my arm around the shoulder, and show you all these people and tell you, 
Look at all these people that came to celebrate your birthday. Perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils along false brethren. And we 
and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. And he calls that light. We got eggs and things. It's just as light as flick. I have a microscopic everything. Then we think about those major missionaries out there in front of us. Final frontier is missions. Even in places where there's no electricity, no internet, no roads, no modern conveniences, no indoor plumbing. Rocket and they caught it, and it doesn't phase Why? Because they have set their hearts for heaven. And you and I set our hearts for heaven. We will consider all the suffering we need, all the tribulation we face, because life is Jesus said in John 16:33, In the world you will have tribulation. I'd rather believe Jesus in all these false doctrines, the false teachers that say, oh, when you become a Christian, all your troubles fly out the window. And if you have still trouble, that means you have little faith. That's for excuse. <laughs> but Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I'm glad that verse doesn't end there. He says, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You hear that, Brother Jesus said, I have overcome the world, so be of good cheer, Brother Anyway, he also said, but for a moment, huh? But for a moment, Paul said, but for a moment, because when he compares, 70 years, 100 years, 120 years on earth, when you compare that to an eternity of enjoying God, enjoying all the rewards that you have, enjoying the fellowship of all those loved ones who have gone before us, most of all, the fellowship of our very own Savior. You see him face an eternity of that. The 120 years here, if even if every year of those 120 years is full of suffering, it's just a drop in the bucket. It says that our life affliction, which is but for a moment, working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. We hope on the things that we do not see. When we see things, when we say, that's what he said also uh, in, um, in the next passage. Romans 8, 24, 25. Everyone, for we are saved by hope. By hope that is seen, not hope. For what a man is seen, why does he get hope? But if hope, if we hope for that, we see time. Then we do, then do we with patience. Wait. Amen. When we focus 
When we set our hearts toward heaven, we refocus on the godly worship. We also we ask you more. We we add more godly to adversity. And thirdly, we relate more graciously with others. Oh, somebody wrote a poem in there. It goes like this: To live above with saints, you are all that will be glory. To live below with saints, you know. Exhorted. Paul says in Ephesians 4 31 32, everybody, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all that and be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake. and be reconciled. That's our ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. Paul declares, be ye reconciled. Whatever broken relationships we have. Lastly, when we set our hearts toward heaven, we rekindle our passion for the lost. Oh, please, don't let that passion die down like the embers of the fire. Please rekindle that. You know why? We never know when the Lord Jesus is returning. He said that when this gospel is preached to all nations, you see, the nations have come here to the United States. Not only over there in the 83 countries where our native missionaries serve, but they're also here. You never know that you're already sharing the gospel with the last family, the last people group, the last tribe. The last man, the last woman, the last child. So keep that fire is burning because you have been saved by grace. Now let me just share with you a video that will be food for thought. Food for thought. Before we do, of course, this is our vision statement. Remember this morning, the nations there refer to people groups. The 7 million of us are in 17,000 people groups. 10,000 of which have been saved, and uh, meaning have been reached, and have access to the gospel, including the United States. But 7,000 still remain unreached. Limited or no access at all to the gospel. But over here, you have people around us. Over here, people who are in need of Jesus, in need of help, in need of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let me share with you a vision that was dramatized.
struggling and drowning. And out of this dark, angry ocean, I saw a musky rock that rose up with its summit tower and climbed above the stormy seas. And all around the base of the rock, I saw a vast platform. And on this platform, I saw with delight a number of the poor wretches continually climbing out of the angry ocean. And I saw that some of those who were already safe on the platform were fervently helping the poor creatures still in the angry waters to reach safety. But something puzzled me. Although they had all been rescued at one time or another from the ocean, nearly everyone seemed to have forgotten all about it. Anyway, the memory of this darkness and danger no longer troubled them. And what was equally strange and perplexing to me was that most of these people did not seem to have any care, that is, any agonizing care, about the poor perishing ones who were struggling and drowning right before their eyes. But then I saw something wonderful. I saw a great being from above come straight from his palace, right through the dark clouds, and he leapt right into the raging sea among the drowning people. And there I saw him toiling to rescue them, until the sweat of his great anguish ran down in blood. And he was continually crying to those already rescued, to those whom he had helped with his own bleeding hands, to come and help him in the painful and laborious task of saving the lost. But the strangest thing of all was that those on the platform to whom he called were still taken up with their trades and professions and money-saving and pleasures and families and community and gatherings and religions and arguments about it, that they did not respond to the cry that came to them from this wonderful being who had himself by his spirit gone down into the sea. And so the multitude went on struggling and shrieking and drowning in the darkness. And then I saw something that seemed stranger than anything that had happened before in this very strange vision. Those whom this wonderful being cried out to, to come and help him in his difficult task, were always praying and crying to him to come to them. Some wanted him to come and stay with them and spend his time and strength in making them happier. Others wanted him to come and take away various doubts and misgivings they had concerning the truth of some letters which he had written them. Others wanted him to come and make them feel more secure on the rock, so secure that they would be totally sure they would never slip off again. They used to meet and get as close to the rock as they could, and looking towards the mainland where they thought the great being was, they would cry out, Come to us, come and help us. But all this time, he was down among the poor drowning creatures, crying to them in a hoarse voice, Come to me, come and help me. And then I understood it all. It was plain enough. That sea was the ocean of life, the sea of real, actual human existence. Those multitudes of people struggling in the stormy sea were the billions of sinners from every race, language, and nation. That great sheltering rock was Calvary, the place of the cross. And the people on it were those who had been rescued from sin and hell and who professed to be followers of Jesus Christ. That mighty being who called to them from the tempest was the Son of God, the same yesterday, today, and forever who 
we still struggling to save the dying multitudes about us from this terrible doom of damnation, and whose voice can be heard above the music and machinery and noise of life, calling on the rescue to come and help him save the world. My friends in Christ, you are rescued from the waters. You are on the rock. Jesus is in the dark sea, calling on you to come and help him. Will you go?
And we set our hearts for heaven from this day on until he comes. So that we will refocus on the God we worship. We react more godly to adversity. We relate more graciously with others. And we rekindle our passion for the lost. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Christ sitting on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on the things above. We drop the ball, we've been distracted, but we don't have to. We can just refocus, reset our hearts. Oh, yeah, press that button again and in your computer, reset. all over the world, in 83 countries of imaginative missions, will you set your heart? Will you set your heart for heaven? I'll be singing a song thinking me the Lord. And as I sing that, Pastor Paul is here, and Melody's here also. And they have some, Melody has some forms here for you to specifically respond to the challenge of getting behind these missionaries over there. But Pastor Paul is here also receive you for whatever rededication or renewal of your commitment. And as I say this, remember the thought again, people need more. See, when we set our hearts toward them, then and only then, we will refocus, react, relate, and rekindle. Care for the dying! Jesus is merciful. Oh, yes, this one. The last one. Get over the song. Let's all stand. <coughs> this is an invitation. This is an invitation. We set the heart for Every day, they pass us by. You can see it in their eyes. And see people filled with care. And then who knows where? On they go through private Living fear you see. Laughter high, there's silence. Yeah.
along, but we've certainly been reminded today what a privilege it is to be saved and on our way to heaven. Amen. And not only all over the world, but before this day is over, most likely you and I will bump into somebody, speak to somebody, have contact with somebody <clears throat> at a restaurant, a neighborhood, somewhere. Probably before we go to tonight, we'll come in contact with someone. They died today, they spent eternity in me. Lord, we need to be reminded of that. All around us, all around us, and all around the world. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father, today we pray that the Holy Spirit take what we heard God during the Sunday school hour during this service. Not just be here, Lord, saying our hearts have been encouraged and ministered to, although God, I think we can say it's been good in the house of the Lord. God, may the Holy Spirit bring these things back to our remembrance. And God, help us to be willing to pray more, give more, go more. And truly, Lord, allow you to take us and use us in these times in which we're living. Reach others. Thank you, God, for those who prayed for us, loved us, and cared for us, brought the gospel to us. Now, God, help us to keep the cycle going. Do a work in each of our hearts and lives. In Jesus. Precious name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you guys